Thanks, Solari and team. Why don't we come in a time of prayer and then we'll invite Annette to come and share our Bible reading with us. Let's pray. Our Lord and God, we want to pray this morning for your blessing over this church, especially as we come to a significant time of voting for um, whether we take on uh, the Upway Baptist Church into Kilsai South. Lord, we've been on a long process and you know it. And Lord, I pray that uh, we will trust in you, that it'll be your will, Lord. Not our will, but your will. We want to pray for Upways this morning as uh, they also are going through this process and discerning what God's will for them is as well. So as we come to times after the services to vote, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you'll give us each a sense of peace, of a sense of calmness, a sense of that you are doing something in and through this area, regardless. May we be alert to you. Our Lord, I want to pray for those in our community who are still going through exams, the Year 12s who may have a few left, but all the Year 11s who are starting up, the Year 10s who are uh, entering into it this, this week, and all those in university as well. And Lord, as they study, as they um, put uh, into practice all the things they've learnt through the term, may you give them good recall in those times. Lord, I pray that these moments and these times may not cause too much stress for our young people, but may they rest in you as well. Now, Lord, we pray for anyone in our community today that um, is not feeling well, that is at home sick today because they can't get out of bed or can't get to church. Lord, for those who have been in hospital over the last week or are still there. Lord, for those who are recovering from illness or disease, Lord, we lift them to you. And Lord, uh, we, we ask that you be with them. Lord, we thank you for every person that is uh, present today, either here or online. And we think of the communities that they live in. Lord, we've each got neighbours and we pray, Lord Jesus, that we uh, will be a light to those neighbours, that they will see a difference in uh, our households, that they will see a difference and they'll see a light that shines and they'll want to know what that light is. May we be bold enough to make friends with our neighbours, to get to know them, to share the word of Christ because that's what's in, in, impacted us in our lives. So, Lord, we pray that we may be a church that seeks to uh, build bridges into our community continually. And, Lord, as we go into this season of Christmas and the opportunities to invite people to Christmas carols and car boot sales and, um, and uh, children's ministry services and, and even Christmas Day, we ask that we may be bold enough to say, come along and hear a message of hope. Lord, give us the strength to do that as a community of believers. We want to see your kingdom grow, not our kingdom grow, your kingdom grow, Lord. So we ask this morning that you'll be with us. Bless this church, Lord. Bless it in its future. Bless it in its present. We give you thanks for its past. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite Annette up. And she's going to read from the scripture this morning. Thank you. Good morning. Um, today's Bible reading is from Genesis chapter 1, 
uh, verses 27 and 28, and then chapter 2, verse 15. So starting from chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Thanks, Annette. Well, before we get into that, those passages, I just want to, um, I don't want to bring anything new to the table this morning, but uh, I thought I'd just give um, an indication of what might happen, we talked about this a little bit at our forum, but what might happen uh, come Monday morning if the vote today that we go through is affirmative. Um, some of you might not have been at the, at the meeting and might not have been able to hear this. So I just wanted to give just a, a little, little thing. So the first thing we seek to do is to um, get to work to employ a, a full-time campus pastor up at Upway. It would be someone who would be part of the pastoral team here at Kilsyth South and would be the voice for that campus. Their role would be to build from within, seeking to use the gifts and talents that are already there at Upway, to start to grow the campus and seek to grow into ministries into the community. There's already good stuff happening up there. We'd also like to seek to add one and a half days of administration onto, um, into the, to lighten the administration load of bringing on another campus. Um, there has already been a draft budget put together and shows that the cost of the campus would not impact directly Kilsyth South as Upway Baptists are already financially viable. Um, the excess budget of bringing on a full-time campus pastor and some administration would draw out of the uh, reserves that Upway already have, so not drawing out of any Kilsyth South. So we've talked about this before, but I just wanted to bring it to your attention this morning. It's anticipated that with, with revitalisation that we would be building into that community and we'd be seen in future not to be able to have to draw upon those resources. So deacons have also discussed the need to look at getting a working group together to look at some of the finer details and steps to bring the communities together, um, becoming one church in two places. So that's, a, that's one of the first things we'll do as well. So the key question in all this that we're asking is how can we best revitalise the church at Upway? And the past two years has been leading up to today. And so as we discern whether we become one church, we'll pray that God's will be done. So I'll leave it at that, but we want you to stick around afterwards just to, to, to be a part of that. Whether you're a member or not, we'd love you to do that. So there. Yeah. Um, I want you to imagine that you've been invited to a friend's house for dinner. This is more of an acquaintance than a friend. You haven't quite got to know this friend all that well. More of, a, more of a someone that you met and they said, why don't you come over for dinner? You arrive and you get through the door and you come into the thing and you find the house is a mess. It's an absolute mess. It's in terrible condition. There's dishes in the sink piled everywhere. I'm saying our house. Uh, there's, dishes, there's dishes in the sink everywhere, the garbage is overflowing, uh, and you wonder how this person can live in such a mess. 
But then you enter into the dining room and you see a table that's set with fine china. It's got silverware, it's got the crystal glass, it's got everything. It looks beautiful. There's a delicious meal set there waiting for you. And your friend welcomes you warmly to the table. He tells you that he's inherited this house and everything in it from his father, who passed away recently. He says that he's very grateful for his father's generosity and that he wants to honour his memory by sharing this blessing of a meal with you. So you sit down and you enjoy the meal. But you can't help that sort of feeling in the back of your mind that there's this, this contrast between this beautiful table and the meal and the rest of the house. You ask your friend, why don't you take better care of the inheritance that's been given to you? And he shrugs and he says, I don't have time or energy or wants to clean up the house. He says, I'm too busy enjoying the food and the company. I don't want to worry about the other things. And he says he's sure that his father would understand. But he's happy with how things are right now. How would you feel about your friend's attitude? Would you think that he's honouring his father or dishonouring his father in how he's keeping the house? Would you think that he's a good steward of the inheritance that he's been given or a poor steward? The Bible tells us that God has given us the earth and everything in it as a gift. He's the creator, the owner of all things, and we are its stewards. He's entrusted us with the responsibility to take care of his creation, to use it for his glory. He's also given us the privilege to enjoy it and, and, and to share it with others. He wants us to not just sit at the table, but he wants us to use it for the glory of his kingdom. But I wonder how we treat creation. Do we take good care of it? Or do we neglect it and abuse it? Do we use it wisely and generously or do we waste it? And hoard it? Do we respect it and protect it, or do we exploit it and destroy it? Do we live in harmony with it and with one another, or are we more about pleasing ourselves and creating maybe conflict and violence? Do we honor God or dishonor Him by our stewardship of His creation? So this morning, I want to look at that topic of being stewards of God's creation. When I was young, I, uh, when a teenager, I thought that humanity's role in the world was have dominion over it. Your Bible, as in the reading, might have said dominion. And I took that to be to rule it, to be on top of the food chain as such. Does that mean we can do whatever we want with it, regardless of consequence? Or does it mean that we have a responsibility to steward it, to protect it, to nurture it? How do we balance this idea of, of dominion and stewardship of the earth? And how does our relationship with God actually impact our relationship with creation? So in the next 20 minutes, we're going to try and figure that out. So my hope is that we might consider that the way we treat God's creation um, we might consider how we treat God's creation because it reflects our relationship with God himself. If we love God, we're going to love what he loves. If we obey God, we'll obey his commandments. If we worship God, we'll worship him with all that we have. 
if we're thankful to God for what he has given us, we're going to utilize it for his good and his glory. We're going to steward things wisely. We're stewards of God's creation. The readings that Annette read for us this morning help us understand creation a little more on a theological basis and and can help us to understand how we relate to creation and how we can steward the world that has been handed into our care. So we're going to look at at three points this morning, just three points that can help us to understand our position in regards to God's creation. Three points. The first one is God alone is creator. God alone is creator. That's the first thing we hear in Scripture is that God makes all things. He's like the creative director of the universe. He flung the stars into space. He put the rings around Saturn. He made mountains and valleys, the greatest of all animals and the most minute that maybe we don't even know about. God created systems of life and created all things to live in a natural rhythm together. I don't know how much study... Is there, have we got any botanists here? Has anyone done study on, of trees? My uncle... Oh, We've got uh, uh, one, so you might have heard this. Uh, my uncle was a, a botanist, and, um, and I love uh, the things that we can, we can come across a tree or a, a thing that we don't know. We'll take a photo of it. And you know how you've got an app that you can... Uh, if you don't know, you can, got, you can get an app for your tree. You can take a photo of it, and it'll tell you what it is. We, we've got an uncle who is an app, so we used to take a photo of it and say, um, Uncle Keith, what's this? Uh, but they're fascinating. Trees are fascinating. I was reading a book about how trees talk to one another. Has anyone heard about that? Trees talk to one another? Has anyone seen trees talk? No. Um, Magic Faraway Tree did. Um, in his book, The Hidden Life of Trees... I'm showing my age. The Hidden Life of Trees, Peter Wally Ben says that trees are involved in tremendous struggles and death-defying dramas. They communicate through a complicated web of relationships... Wise old mother trees feed saplings with liquid sugar and warn neighbours when danger approaches. Reckless youngsters take risks with leaf shedding, light chasing and excessive drinking, often playing with their lives. Crown princes wait for old monarchs to fall, seizing their place in the full glory of sunlight. All this unfolds in the ultra-slow motion of tree time. (laughs) It's incredible, isn't it? Trees talk to one another. They have interconnection. And even in this picture, it's, uh, whilst it's not real, you can see that the, the trees actually can, can share nutrients under the ground. It's crazy stuff. Um, yeah. I, I look at that and think, wow, someone has had to create that. <laughs> it can't not be created. The pinnacle of God's imagination comes in this final creation, though, which is humanity. And he made humanity in his own likeness. I marvel at the intricacy of the human body. You probably do as well. And whilst my body groans at uh, playing two games of basketball post 10 o'clock this week, my body didn't cope that well with that. Our bodies are made with such detail and such skill. New life starting from a cell and growing. I was chatting to someone this week, and, and we came to the conclusion that when you look at all that God's created, the, the land, the, the earth, and our bodies, and how intricate it is, it's so much harder to believe that creation just happened. So much harder. that You can't not believe that there's a creator behind the order of what's going on. God creates, and what God creates, he says, is good. And he says, is very good. God is the creator. 
The very assumption that something is good actually implies that God had a design and purpose for something. God had a design and purpose for what he created. For example, if I, if I was to create a car, I'd, and, and I thought, I'm going to create a cool car, and I only put one wheel on the car. So big car, but only put one wheel in the middle of it. And I would hope that as we get going, it will balance on that one wheel. So when people drove it, that hopefully it'll work. But what's going to happen if I only put one wheel? It's not going to happen at all. It's just going to go... It's not going to work. And people would be bitterly disappointed in my design flaw of this car. It wouldn't fulfill the purpose for which it was built. It was designed to be a car. didn't work. So it wouldn't be called good. Only if I designed a car that had enough wheels or whatever the future looks like to get it from A to B, I'd start to consider whether it was good or not. So God's design was being judged on whether it fulfilled its design brief that was being set out by God. And God looked at it, looked at creation, looked at humans, and his approval and his judgment, his assessment was that it's good. It is very good. Day 3, Genesis 1 verse 11. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees, on the land that bear the fruit with seeds in it according to their various kinds. Let the land produce all seed-bearing fruit. God placed seeds into the fruit that it may bear, propagate more fruit. Verse 12 says that the, the land produced vegetation. God told the animals, the humans, to be fruitful and increase. God saw goodness in what he created. Even prior to before humanity came along, he saw goodness in all that he created. God is the creator of a good creation. But the blessing of creation is that God gave humanity a very special role in all of that, in that created order. We have the the blessing, firstly, of being able to inhabit this creation. That's number one. Psalm 24, verse 1 reminds us of this. The the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Our role in creation is to enjoy the creation that God's given us. It doesn't elevate us to status of ownership of creation. In fact, Leviticus 25, verse 23, reminds us of our true position in creation. It says, The land is mine. This is God speaking. The land is mine. With me, you are but aliens and tenants. Our position is a temporary one in the created order of God's creation. When uh, we were living out in Newport, when I was a pastor at Newport, we rented our house out to tenants our house that we're living in now. We became landlords for the first time. And you might be a landlord and you know the ups and downs of being a landlord. And as owners of the property, we set the rules and limitations as to what could and couldn't be done for the tenants. The tenants didn't own the home. They were just temporary lodgers in our place. They couldn't just come in and pull a wall down and that sort of thing. But when our tenant didn't pay the rent and when our tenant trashed the place a little bit, They were held accountable for that also. So if we're the tenants of God's great creation, we're also held accountable to the rules that govern the way the world works. 
Throughout time, humanity has had a fair crack at making a mess of it, though, haven't we? (laughs) And the consequences are a little more far-reaching than some writing on a wall from a a little girl who thought our walls were a canvas for her creations. (laughs) French theologian, theologian Henry Blocker puts it this way. If man obeys God, he would be the means of... He would be the means of blessing the earth. But in his insatiable greed and in his short-sighted selfishness, he pollutes and destroys it. He turns a garden into a desert. Now, I realize the limitation of the illustration of a tenant in our house. Because when we talk about tenancy on earth, we're talking about something more. I don't know that I didn't know the tenant that was living in our house. We went through a land, uh, an agency, and we didn't know them at all. I think we might have met them once when I had to put an, a new oven in, something like that. The real estate agency did all the interaction. When the when something needed changing, they called us and we say, "Yeah, go do it." That sort of thing. We had no relationship with our tenants at all. But God created humanity for relationship with Him. So our love for God as a tenant in his creation, calls for an outworking of care for what he has given us. And it makes sense when you think about tenancy a little bit more. When we first came back from the UK, 2008, so going way back, we were there for five years, we came back and we didn't have anywhere to live. We didn't have enough money to afford a house, we couldn't just barely afford a bond. So Solari's parents graciously allowed us to stay at their home and gave us a wing of their place that we could live in. Now, while we were there, we didn't go about knocking down walls, we didn't go about drawing on the walls or ripping up carpet and saying, I think it would be better if our little section looked like this. Of course we didn't. Because we had this relationship with the landlord, Solari's parents. We loved them. We were very um, uh, thankful that they allowed us to stay there for such a, a long time. So we cared for what they had given us because of our relationship with them. We too must care for what belongs to God because of our relationship with God. The second point I want to bring up is that God's creation reveals God's character and nature. So God's creation is a gift to us that reveals God and provides for humanity. Romans 1.20 tells us this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, his creation, so that people are without an excuse. People see creation, and we can attribute it to God. God's the great artist that laid out the canvas called creation. While we're in the UK, we have the blessing of being able to travel a little, and one of the places I remember most is the Swiss Alps. And we went to the top of this massive mountain, and we're in the middle of the Alps, and you can look 360 degrees around, And there was just snow-capped mountain ranges everywhere. It was stunning. I have that image etched in my mind. I couldn't find it. It'll be on a a CD-ROM somewhere because it was in like 2006. But um, it's etched in my mind. I don't need a photo because I have it so clearly in my mind. I was humbled that day standing on top of this mountain by the, 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 the awe of God's creation. David writes about this in Psalm 8, verse 3 and 4. He says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. The creation is so great, 
yet God still has a love for each one of us. The psalm starts and finishes now with David in awe of God. He goes, Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name over all the earth. Not just over that little part of the earth, over all the earth. There's a story that I read on a, um, from World Vision that says this. There's a boy from Uganda. He said, I know there is a God because of the rain. Because who can fetch so much water, go up into the sky and then pour it on us? Only God can do that. All right. God reveals himself through his creation. A few weeks ago, Slara and I went camping. And we came across this tree that had been uprooted. And, and I took a photo of it because of the, the, the root systems were so intricate in it. And, and I thought, That's, isn't that amazing how they fit into the ground as it grows and keeps the tree there? But then I thought about the power of the wind to knock that out of the ground as well. God's creation is powerful. Not only do we see his immense power in his creation, but his creation tells us a lot about who he is. So God created order for systems to provide for the world to flourish. I heard about oak trees. We are talking about them yesterday, oak trees. I don't know if you know much about oak trees, um, but did you know that oak trees, every seven years or so, produce a greater crop than they do every other year? Did anyone know that? No, you're learning. What's today? Um, this process is a process called masting. And, and I believe God built it into the design of the tree so they, they ensure there'll be a further spread of these oak trees over that year. So obviously the, well, the squirrels come and eat the, 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 the acorns, don't they? They grab, grab the acorns off and that's something. But in that year, more, more um, acorns mean that it can spread further, it can germinate out further, more trees into different spaces so it's not all just pollinating in the one space. Unbelievable how God designed that things may continue to grow. So it's beneficial that this masting happens for the tree and the animals who find a reliable source of food. God provides for all that he's made. God is our provider in the systems that he's made. So Jesus tells us not to worry about anything because he is Jehovah Jireh, meaning the Lord will provide. Matthew 6.25, Jesus reminds us of this. He says, I tell you, do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Have a look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in grains, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? God provides for our needs through his creation. Water, food, shelter, energy. When stewarded properly... God's design works together to sustain humanity. Genesis 1.29 says, See, I've given you every plant-yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth and every tree with seeds in its fruit. You shall have them for food. God's design is to provide. God's design is prepared for the sustaining of humanity. Back thousands and thousands of years ago, back a hundred years ago, now and into the future. If we steward it well. And how we steward the earth depends on our understanding of stewardship and dominion. So that's the third point. Humanity has a responsibility towards creation. Dominion and stewardship, how do they fit together? So God gives humanity this special role within the created order. Our readings from Genesis today that Annette read, um, it says this, I'll read them again. So God created mankind in his image. We know that, God's creator. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. 
God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish, have dominion over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then 2.15 it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So, so we're both we're created by the Father, just as every other living thing is. However, we're made in his image. And that's what sets us apart from every other creature. And therefore, God gives us dominion, rule over all creation. So we humans have been given this, I think, is an unenviable task of having dominion over creation, but being stewards of that very same creation. Let me try and unpack that a little bit. So the readings this morning show us the, the powerful role God gives humanity. Humanity receives authority over all parts of creation. We call that dominion. So that term dominion actually means the power, the privilege, and the responsibility to direct, control, govern, cultivate, and manage. See, in the reading, these first words spoken to humanity, God speaks about relationship. But it's not a relationship between God and humanity. It's a relationship between, God, uh, between humanity and the earth and what we're to do with it. We join with God in exercising power over all other created things. Have you ever thought of that? It's an incredible first action towards humanity. God establishes this shared relationship with humans. He gives us a sense of responsibility. God gives humanity and all of creation for the purpose of caring for it, of developing it and growing it. However, it is easy to misunderstand God's intention unless we sort of figure out what the Hebrew words were trying to really mean. Because the word that is translated dominion or rule within verse 26 is the Hebrew word, and I haven't done Hebrew, but I looked it up, it's called rada. It does mean to have dominion, to rule or dominate, I suppose. But that term rada also implies responsibility, stewardship. It doesn't imply exploitation or abuse. The Hebrew term in verse 15 that, that says that God um, got him to work it, work the land, it means to serve or till the land. It's a word saying abad. It's about being attentive to the earth, to its cultivation, to nurturing the earth. So we've got this understanding that it's not, uh, it's not about exploitation, it's about responsibility and stewardship, and it's about cultivation. So why does God give us that? As God's creation itself, we're called to care for the earth in such a way that we're supporting God's plan and purpose for the world. It means that, that we need to care for the earth so that people may enjoy the resources that it has, that we have enough to eat, that we have shelter, that we have protection, we have clean air. And by doing so, we're actually starting to feel, fulfill God's command to love one another, to love our neighbor. A, a care for creation actually equates to a care for the other. In scripture, a metaphor um, for a shepherd probably helps us understand it a little bit more. We know Psalm 23 fairly well, don't we? It says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Sheep are vulnerable. They need a shepherd, don't they? They need someone to care for them, someone to watch over them, someone to lead them, someone to protect them, someone to have Rule over them, dominion over them, I suppose. For a vulnerable creature, 
To be able to lie down in green pastures means there must have been a provision of food for them. For this vulnerable creature to be led beside still waters means there must have been drink for them to be led towards. To be led on the right paths means there must have been protection in danger. The shepherd exercises dominion over the sheep, but there's no heavy-handed rule or authority. But as this good shepherd, he becomes the provider for them. We understand God is our shepherd, don't we? He's our provider. He provides out of dominion the rule over his creation. Let's flip it a little bit. Scripture is pretty clear about what happens to those who exercise a rule of dominion that exploits the position they're in. Ezekiel 34 verse 2 says this, Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, where's shepherds come up, who only take care of yourselves. He goes on to say, You do not take care of the flock. You do not strengthen the weak or the healed or heal the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. It's pretty heavy words. Those who have an authority to rule must not do so in a way that exploits others for selfish gain. Now, God gives us authority, dominion over the world, but we are accountable to God in how we exercise that dominion because we have to do it for the good of the creation. So if we are indeed given dominion, how does stewardship fit into that? What is that? What, what does that? But I want to suggest that stewardship complements dominion. Stewardship is about care, the watching over, the guarding, to protecting, all that is entrusted to us. If dominion is our responsibility to care for creation, stewardship sort of helps us understand how we go about doing that. How we're going to make that happen. We exercise dominion through nurturing stewardship. So God's command to Adam in Genesis 2.15 was to work the garden, to take care of it. This command came before the fall. Our requirement to care for what God created was not as a result of sin and being ejected from the garden. God set it up from the beginning that we were to care for the land. God knew the working of the land, the growing of crops, the vegetables, were vital for the growth of humanity. So he got to work got Adam to work, working on the land, tilling it, preparing the soil, producing crops. And then he'd pull the crops and till the soil and produce more in order to prepare for the blessings of the dominion that he enjoyed. Poor stewardship has one eye tending the earth for today, and that's all. Proper stewardship has one eye tending the earth for today, and one eye tending the earth for the generations to come. Unfortunately, we've not always considered this. And we haven't put stewardship and dominion together. And through, perhaps it was ignorance, perhaps it was arrogance, we've chosen dominion apart from stewardship. And we've put chemicals into the air that have hurt our, our world. We've put things into our waterways that have made our fish sick. We've unlocked gases that have destroyed different spaces. We've hunted endangered species again and again and lost some of that creation that God's given us. 
So what's the conclusion? We've seen that God is author and creation of all creation. God's character is shown through his creation. And as humans, we've been given dominion over and stewardship responsibilities over it. So the final thing we need to explore and consider is, is um, that of Jesus. Because Jesus is reconciling and bringing back all things to himself. Colossians 1.19 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him reconcile, bring back to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, I've often read that as all things being humans, but it says all created things will be reconciled to Jesus. This term reconciliation is, is referring to the restoration of right relationship. It's only through Jesus' death and resurrection that we can experience the fullness and, and God's forgiveness. However, it's not just humanity that's been reconciled. It's all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. It encompasses that God's scope of reconciliation is, is not just about humanity, but harmony and peace between the ordered creation that God built. The right systems that were created at the very beginning will be restored. A new heaven, a new earth. We might not know what that looks like right now. We don't know what that looks like now. But this vision of God's creation being restored, it brings such great hope for us today. It brings about an urgency and an importance for us to live as people of Christ, to consider tomorrow as we steward the earth, as we share our faith, as we engage people in the stewardship of God's world. One way that we're actively seeking to do that or engaging and stewarding our resources is, is the garden out the, out the back. And we've got some ladies that have been a wonderful um, just getting out there and, and tilling the land. Um, you might want to chat to Jenny or Kaz or Fran. I think that's, that's probably a few others that go out there as well. And, and ask them what it, what it looks like to be stewards of this land. You might want to explore how you can be a part of that. So stewardship of God's creation is about understanding that everything we have is a gift from God. We're the caretakers of these gifts during our time on earth. And as stewards, we're called to care for the world with love and respect, just as God cares for us. We're entrusted with the earth and all its creatures, and its responsibility, our responsibility is to ensure their well-being for the future generations. It's not a task. It's a way of living. Let's embrace this calling with joy and gratitude. Let's pray. Our Lord and God, we give you thanks for what you've given us, the creation that you've given us. Our God, we stand in awe of it. And maybe it's a bit daunting to think that you've given us the opportunity to make it good. But Lord, may we embrace that. And God, may we be good stewards of what you have given us. We give you thanks and praise. Amen.